Hello, hello, and welcome, one and all, to Take 87. As you may have seen on our Instagram, we are going to be reviewing, because we watched three important movies, If Bill, if Bill Street Could Talk, the 13th documentary on Netflix, and Do the Right Thing. We are also very excited to be able to contribute to Black Lives Matter in the most sweet film talk way possible by helping black creators use their voice and tell their stories. That is why we have chosen to donate to the Black TV and Film Collective. They are a leader in NYC for attracting, engaging, and creating opportunities for talented storytellers of color in the fields of television, film, and digital entertainment. So here is how you can help us raise money. And it's simple. Stream. Use your desktop, your phone, tablet, whatever, and stream us all day. We do not care if you listen and pay attention, if you listen for only a few minutes and then skip to the next take, or mute our voices and keep us on a loop in your bathroom upstairs. Every penny in stream counts. And in addition to streaming ad revenue that we get starting Monday to the following Monday, Sweet Film Talk, us, we will match the highest donation that our sweets give to the foundation of Black TV and Film Collective. So we want to do this as a way that we can all band together, raise money, and act to make a difference. We will put a link in our bio to the Black Film Collective so you can donate. And additionally, we will put that same link in the description of the podcast. If you donate, just send us a DM on Instagram. We'll see who donates the most at the end, and we will match it. Okay? Thank you so much, everyone. We love y'all, and stay sweet. 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 Okay, well, here is the outline, everybody, for Take 87. Obviously, we're going to be talking about how we've been doing, Kamiko and I. And then we're going to be talking about something very important. As, and we're not experts. Um, the best thing that you can do is go to blacklivesmatter.com and educate yourselves. We'll be summarizing certain aspects of the movement to help you all understand why it's important. Um, Keek's going to talk a little bit about his experience going to protests um, how we can be an ally. Keeks will also be mentioning that. And then we'll be getting into the bulk of our movies. We'll first start off by talking about if Bill Street could talk, then going on to the documentary of Netflix titled 13th. And lastly, we'll be talking about Do the Right Thing, which is written by Spike Lee. So without further ado, Keeks, Let's how go. are you doing? How are you doing? Oh my gosh, it has been... Um, it's been a good week, you know, it's been a lot of, it's just been like a lot of thinking about how I can get better, which by the way, like that's, that's kind of a lot of this is yeah. how can we all get better? We all realize like, if you realize that, you know, you don't feel like you're racist or you don't do anything racist, that, that might be true, but now it's a time to be like, okay, what can I do to prevent the growth of racism, help educate others and educate yourself? Cause that's kind of like the point of life is you want to keep growing, keep getting better. Yeah, I'm no, good. Yeah, no, exactly. I love that. It's always, always about growing and learning and educating yourself. And this has been an important week to really step back and reflect to see how we can help our brothers and sisters and how oh, we can yeah. help them to feel, you know, more love, more included. Uh, because there is obviously a ton of race, racial injustice that is occurring that has been occurring. So, um, yeah. So we, Keeks, I know you've been to some. Oh, first and foremost. Yes, that's right. TC, yes. how have you yes. been doing? Uh, I've been really good, and I, I'm i engaged. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's go. Okay. I wish I could give you a standing ovation, but I the knees aren't great, and I'm really oh. low to the ground right I, now. So I love that. I'm doing yeah, it in spirit. I'm, I'm engaged to Kennedy, as um, everyone knows. Well, not everyone, not all the sweets. Uh, she actually came on for a take. What was it? Take 50? Maybe 80. Oh, that was like 80-something. Right? It was? Okay. Yeah, it was for the, yeah. spir- it was for we'll the sports movies. That. Yeah, fact check it real quick. <laughs> Give it to me. We're, I, I think it's like 82. Is it 82? Probably like a month and a half ago. Come on. Come on. 
We're right there. Do you want me to get it? I, I think I'll beat you to it. I think I might beat you to it. I did. 78. 78. 78. Yep. Greatest sports movie ever made. Yep, which that's was, it. Oh, yeah, that's um, for the remember, remember the Titans. It was. That's right. Yeah. Which yeah. actually a good movie to watch for this time, too. Exactly. So A little, a little nope. exaggerated, but good little movie to watch. Sure. Well, we are engaged. Very, very excited. Love her a lot. And next week for Take 88, I will be telling the engagement story, the proposal story. Um, it's a lot of fun. So yes, uh, stay and tuned. And we'll for be doing that. rom-coms because yeah. that's what we were going to do this week. But after just a lot of just a lot of uh, talking between the three of us, me, TC, and Jives, our producer, we felt that it'd be really appropriate to just go over honestly what we, you know, what we kind of do best is three movies that we wanted to take a look at by back by black creators, and with everything going on, you know, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor. Countless Ahmed Arbery, who was just you know who was murdered just a few weeks ago. Um, we want to let you guys know on how we can be good allies for the Black community for Black Lives Matter because especially a lot of us we've got a lot of privilege you know like I, I, like we we can all use our blessings in a way to help others. So this comes from Cheska Lee from Instagram. We will put a descri- we'll put a link to this video in the description of the podcast because I think it'd be really great. And we think it'd be really great for all of us to understand what we can do. So these are five ways that we can be a good ally to the Black Lives Matter movement and to the black community. Um, one is understand your privilege. No, nope. privilege means that you won't have to experience certain things in life because of who you are. So understand that and discover what you can do to help others. The second one is listen and do your homework. So start reading websites, go to articles. If you're on Twitter, read certain tweets um, and just really start getting involved, getting active. Number three is speak up, but not over because many of us um, is we're, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're a background voice. We're not, <laughs> she uses a good, we're, we're not Beyonce. We're not Kelly Rowland. We're, probably Michelle, you know, we're, we're there in the background. And as TC says it best is triple B baby, big baller brand, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. Got to do it, but also do what you can do. And if you're trying yes. to get out of your lane, put a nice little blinker on there to let everybody yeah. know. <laughs> you know <laughs> and you know what? You're going to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. That's part of learning. That's part of growing. Uh, welcome to my college experience. You make a lot of mistakes and apologize when you do because your impact is greater than the intent you have on your statements. Yeah, and, and also want to. I want to touch on that real quick. Yeah, so I yeah. want to chime in because one of my favorite athletes of all time has been got gotten a lot of flack recently. And that's Drew Brees. Yep, for his comments that you know the flag mean a lot to him because obviously his grandfather served, but the way he said it and delivered it definitely could have been handled differently. Well, However, I'm I'm glad that he apologized and that he recognized what he said and I thought his apology was heartfelt. So I think Drew is a pretty good example of realizing that mistake and he apologized. I, I think it's also important that like the, the protest was never about the like the flag or the military. He was, Colin Kaepernick was approached by a Green Beret and said to kneel in support of you know getting rid of police brutality. Sure. Yeah, that's what a, exactly. that's a big section of all of this is, is understanding exactly. police brutality, which we go into a lot. In all of these movies, <laughs> in every single one, it's yeah. kind of a pattern. Yeah. Um, and the fifth way that we can be a good ally is understand that ally is a verb. We need to act. All of these posts, the black squares, um, all of the reposts that we're doing on on our social media is like really good and really nice because you're showing people this is what I believe. But at the same time, uh, I think Lil Wayne said it best. Lil, real G's moving silent like lasagna, baby. Go out, donate to these causes like the Black TV and Film Collective that we're supporting today. Go donate. Go help those people out because that is the best way that we can support the black community. Get these black lives, help black lives matter, and help get these black voices heard. And TC, I, you had a really good quote about this whole – oh, my goodness. I just knocked over my whiteboard. Easy, easy now. You had a great quote. I want you to share it. I really liked it. So this this just kind of helped me also understand because you know a lot of things are going on. As we mentioned, we're not perfect. We're not experts about this. We're trying to learn. We're trying to be an ally, as Keeks just mentioned. And this was shared by Josh Reynolds, who came on the pod. Take eleven, I think, for Uncle Josh. Who knows? Go give that a listen. Yeah, that was like single digits. That might even be take eight. Yeah, it might be. (laughs) Anyways, 
Um, he shared this, and this comes from the Instagram profile of Matthew X Stone. And he had this to say that I really liked. And it says, for my all lives matter folks, when the Boston Marathon was bombed, everybody's profile went Boston strong. Nobody said all cities are strong. When Las Vegas shooting happened, people changed their profiles. Stand with Vegas. Nobody says, well, what about the people that got shot in my city? Have you ever seen someone counter a breast cancer post with what about colon cancer? But for some reason, if someone says Black Lives Matter, it turns into all-inclusive, all lives matter. It's not an either slash or proclamation. When there is a crisis, we have always rallied around that particular group. It doesn't discredit or diminish any other group. It just brings awareness and support to the group that needs attention. So I really, really like that a lot because I think that explains pretty well of you know the Black Lives Matter, that well, it is, we're supporting this group, just like Boston Strong, just like the you know Las, Las Vegas City Strong, things like that. I thought that was a good comparison. Uh, in addition to, if anyone were to just go to the Black Lives Matter official website, there, there's a huge second section about just called About Us and What We Believe. And one of the quotes is, we work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people, and by extension, all people. We are unapologetically black in our positioning and affirming that black lives matter. We need not qualify our position. To love and desire freedom and justice for ourselves is a prerequisite for wanting the same for others. Um, that, that took me 10 seconds to find. <laughs> if you just Google black lives matter, go read about what they believe in. You're going to find a lot of parallels to the same beliefs that you have and help the cause, help people who have, as we will explain, have been unjustly treated in this society for uh, hundreds of years, hundreds and hundreds of years. So I, I think you said it great. I've said it the best. We both said it the best that we can. Let's get into these movies, baby. Let's get let's, into if Bill Street could talk. Let's do it. Let's do it. So 2018, right? This is 20, 2018. 2018. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, And might I say, this is written and directed by Barry Jenkins and was adapted from the, from the book of the same name by James Baldwin. Um, if you guys have not heard of James Baldwin, he is a fascinating just political speaker. There, there are tons and tons of speeches you can hear him give on YouTube. Go look it up. Go read some of his books. Um, there's a movie called I Am Not Your Negro, which is like a, a – I, I've heard it's like a documentary about James Baldwin in the last book he was writing. And he was also an openly gay man during the civil rights era. So wow. that's crazy to me. I hadn't really heard much of him. So I've been trying to listen and learn a lot more about him during these last you know few days. Yeah. Uh, in addition to Beale Street could talk being written by Baron Jenkins, it stars <laughs> Kiki Lane, Stephen James and Regina King, who won an Oscar for her performance. And the movie was also nominated for Best Score and Adapted Screenplay. And the movie is about Tish and Fonny, who are a young black couple ready to start life together in New York City. But it all comes crashing down when Fonny is falsely accused of rape and sent to prison. So, TC, what did you think of If Beale Street Could Talk? If Beale Street Could Talk, I thought was well shot. It was beautiful looking movie. I thought Tish and Fonny were compelling characters and I loved loved their love story. I loved how strong they had I loved how strong their love was. Like I thought that was really endearing. And I just kind of liked the flashbacks of when they grew up as kids and how Tish was narrating mm -hmm. she and she was like, you know, he never disrespected me. He always had love for me because of how much he cared for me. I thought that was I thought that was a really cute just line that just kind of showed like how much love Fawny had for Tish, and obviously that blossomed. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this this movie is a little bit slow. It's a bit, bit of a slow burn. It and mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't even say burn. It's just it's just kind of slow. slow. Yeah, it's just kind of slow. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's man, it was slow. Hard. It's a drama. It, I mean, I guess we get, kind of getting little spoilers, but the the woman that accuses Fawny uh, is from Puerto Rico, then flees to Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, Tish's well, the, ba the background story to her is basically like this: you know, this this white man flew to Puerto Rico, met her when she was like eighteen, decided to marry her, bring her back to Puerto Rico. Um, they had like five kids together. Then he just left. So it was her trying to take care of these children in what seemed to be kind of a rough area. 
or yeah. not even a rough area. Just like, you know, it's a single mother trying to take care of five kids. Doesn't matter where you are. That's super hard. Yeah. Yeah. And then like that scene where T- Tish's mom goes to track her down in Puerto Rico and then like she finds her and then just, yeah, essentially has a very panic, true. panic attack, the Puerto Rico. And I was like, woo. How about Dave Franco? What a cameo. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Oh, some my of the, gosh. Some of the character, like Pedro Pascal. Yes, Pedro just, Pascal's cameo. Randomly. Like, huh? in, it's like not even a cameo, but it feels like it because yeah. they're playing characters, but it's like, oh, hi, James Franco. Oh, I mean, um, whatever your name is in the movie. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. And then I, re- I, th- I thought the scene also was really important when Tish is being harassed at the market. And Fani just essentially throws uh, the gentleman, the white guy that is harassing Tish, and then obviously the cop pulls up and just really, really intimidates Fani, being like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock you up. I'm gonna come for you." And yeah. Fani's like, "Yeah, I'll see you around." So that was a. Pr- I thought that scene was done really well with how tense it was, and that cop with that just ugh, ugly mustache. Oh, his jaw! That it was, was crazy. Just, like his yeah. jaw kept getting clenched. Looks and like everything. looks like looks like a little bit like Nicholas Holt, kind of. Oh, that cop. Anyways, it, um, it kind of it honestly with like his jaw clenching, it reminded me of the Joker with like his scars and everything, and just how. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give if Bill Street could talk. I'm gonna give it a B. I really liked the performance given. I thought it was just it was slow, um, but I yeah. really just loved. I loved the love story between Tish and Fani. I thought that was really endearing. So I'm gonna give it a sweet, definitely sweet, especially during these times and overall. To all just give this a watch and check it out. And I thought the score was also well done. What'd you think, Keeks? What I thought about If Beale Street Could Talk is the colors in every single, like in almost every single scene, you could tell how purposefully placed the colors were down to like the clothes that they're wearing. I remember there's a shot, I think it's on Fonny and Tish's first date, is Fonny has like a red and black flannel on. And um, Tish has like this yellow shawl and they're walking with like the brick of New York City in the background. Mm. And it just it blended in super well. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know what it all means. Like, I'm sure sure there's some like underlying tone of what a lot of the colors mean. But for me, it was just a really it was a really beautiful movie. And normally I'm like not a big fan of voiceovers in movies, but I felt that this was the voiceover and this was very poetic. Sure. It added yeah, an extra dimension to the movie to help give the audience more emotion, which I mean, for all of this movie, and there's a lot of really poignant scenes, you know, where, where Fonny's talking with his friend who just got out of jail. Um, and eventually brings to the fact that Fonny ends up taking a plea deal, which we will talk about when we talk about the documentary 13th. Um, you know, Fonny being innocent, he didn't do it. No, but. and he wasn't even he wasn't even nearby the street where he was no. accused at. Uh-uh. And it's just yeah, it just makes it really makes you think, and it happens like you know, there's how so often? Many, the, how often? Yeah, how often? Like that? It's just crazy. Quote how many unquote, innocent. you fit the description. Yep. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, we know what you're trying to say. Yeah, it's it's just really heart wrenching. Just disappointing. It really is. Um, I liked the movie a lot more than you did i think i i gave it an a minus the 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 only thing that i think brings the movie not quite up to the a is i feel that at the end it it gets a little like repetitive you know you keep like seeing her going back into the prison and kind of reliving life and it's like oh we we've kind of seen this moment before maybe take off I don't even know I don't know if you would take anything off or if you'd edit more sequences in to give the ending more purpose because at the end seemed a little repetitive yeah exactly repetitive and it it, um, it, you know says that he's took the plea deal and the end of the movie is them in the prison you know their son Fonny Jr. is all not grown he's like six or seven and um, yeah them being a family, a little unconventional. But what I noticed was um, the beginning. There's a quote by James Baldwin saying that there is a Beale. He he grew up on Beale Street in Louisiana, New Orleans, and that there's yeah. a Beale Street in every city in the United States. I like and that. And I think just like there's every city like Beale Street, there is a story like this that happens to almost every black person in the United States, whether it's false accusation or families being torn apart. And I think it articulates it really well, just being one specific example, but also being able to be generalized to every other Beale Street in the United States. Yeah. Really great movie. I'm yeah. with you. Uh, A minus, sweet. 
Very okay. sweet watch. Definitely, definitely recommend. Um, the score slaps. Oh, slaps. It does. It has like that ambient type vibe. And I want to mention that last scene. This is a little bit of you. Are, I mean, you already mentioned, but mentioned it. Not much of a spoiler. But I really liked when they're all together at the table, mm-hmm. and uh, little Fonny's just like, "Hey, let's you know, let's say grace." And I just kind of love the smiles. It seems genuine. It just seems like you know, with all the injustice and everything that went on with Fonny, it's beautiful to see like there is still a lot of love within that family. Yeah, and you know. As, as maybe as corny as it sounds, but that's really what it is. It's about love. That's how it starts. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, what will, yeah. And that's, that's it. Like, it's about love and treating others how you would want to be treated. And unfortunately, that doesn't happen all the time. Oh, I, perfect. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's so, time to move on to 13th. Let's do 13th. Okay. Holy crap. <laughs> this, this one, I watched at a very bad time. Why don't you give us the rundown on 13th? Okay. Well, 13th is written by, and check me on any of these um, names. Sometimes I, my pronunciation. Anyways, 13 written by Spencer Averick and Ava DuVernay. Did I pronounce that right? DuVernay. DuVernay. Uh, mm-hmm. Nominated for Best Documentary at the Oscars back in 2016. America makes up 5% of the world's population, yet locks up 25% of the world's prisoners. 40% are black men. And then 13th gives an in-depth look at the prison system in the United States and how it reveals the nation's history of racial inequality. And yeah, this, this documentary, it's a watch. It's a tough watch. Yes. Um, I remember on Tuesday when Blackout Tuesday was going on and just a lot of, it's a pretty somber day and it was a day just of reflection. And We talked uh, about this. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way to put it of like yeah. a day of reflection. Yeah, and Kennedy, Kennedy reached out to me. She's like, hey, we should watch one of these movies when you posted about these two documentaries on Netflix. Um, and so we decided to watch uh, this movie um, that night. And yeah, it's just, it's man, it's a, to watch, it's a tough watch just because as we just mentioned, you know, like you fit the description. And yes. obviously with the 13th Amendment that we'll get into, um, it says neither slavery, slavery nor involuntary servitude except as a punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. So essentially, obviously, sla- slavery was abolished, but being a criminal, you're essentially a slave. And yes. of course there are criminals out there. However, there are a lot of innocent people who are convicted who then become a slave and it's, exactly it's just tough so and well and especially like that 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 amendment being brought out like you know close to the end of civil war times it's not like racism went away you know it's not like the south coming back in was like okay you're right like safe, slavery is wrong no because obviously as we can see now like those same sentiments still exist yeah so they're like okay there's a loophole in here um, except as uh, what? Uh, except as pu- a punishment for crime, which they make sure to highlight in the documentary. They took that and they ran with it. They created extremely unfair laws, like no loitering, as an excuse to take black people to jail in droves to get them back, basically into the fields for free labor. And it was wrong. And yeah. not to mention, there were all sorts of derogatory words used to describe black people back in those days. But as policies and as politics and politicians evolved, so did the word for black people as a derogatory term, you know, turned into uh, criminal. At one point, super predators in like the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And what I think shows a good way is it's like doesn't matter who you politically align with or both do both sides are doing wrong things and unjustly accusing black people, unjustly locking up black people into the prison system. And it, it's, it, it shows that even that mass incarceration increased five times between the 1970s and now. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it was really interesting also with the Bill Clinton three-strike three rule. Yes. The three-strike act. Um, how that just flooded a lot of these prisons. Yeah. And then that was just not – and then it, Bill Clinton obviously is like, yeah, that was not a good idea. Like he actually had to like apologize for that all these years later. So And just, it's interesting, interesting to get every all of their takes when when they, you know, when they're talking about it they're like, yeah, like maybe he was wrong, but like he knew it was wrong when he put it into, you know, when he put it into action. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, all sorts of strategies that these politicians create in order to 
you know, gain power and just keep the traditions basically going since they're fathers. Yeah, yeah. It's really sad. I mean, the the criminal justice system holds more than 2.3 million people in 1,719 state prisons, 102 federal prisons, 901 juvenile correctional facilities, 3,163 local jails, and 76 Indian country jails, as well as in military prisons, immigration detention facilities, which, uh, yeah, still prisons, civil commitment centers, and prisons in the U.S. territories. That's so many people, not to mention with the 40% of black men are incarcerated, black men make up 5%. Of the, un- of the U.S. population. That's too high of a discrepancy. Yeah. Way yeah. too high. And how many of those are innocent? You know, it's just crazy to think. Innocent, or just even like petty theft, petty, petty. crimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are, it, I, I was actually going through and reading just like a lot of scholarly, jo- scholarly ad- articles to follow up with what we watched. And um, there's even more instances of Ah, uh, gosh, I don't remember. I, I'm not going to quote it directly, but there are a lot of interesting scholarly articles that you can read more about mass incarceration and the 13th Amendment. Yeah. We'll yeah. include some of them in the description. I, I included some of them in our notes. But um, as overall, the documentary, what did you think about it? Like how it, how it's made, you know, the, the different just aspects to the documentary. I thought it was made really well. I thought yeah. the interviews of people coming in and chiming in. And you have, you know, these black professors, these people who have experienced depression as well, who are now trying to teach their students and that are sharing their thoughts and their statistics and what they've learned into the documentary, I thought was really, I thought it was really insightful. Um, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm actually, I'm going to give this, I, I would have, for me personally, I would have liked to also seize, um, geez, like the history also was really important. I I would have I wish even kind of more some more history was included because that one movie that came out like the nineteen thirties that they oh, shot birth. Birth of a Nation. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. that was early just, teens. That, that was, was like seven. That was like I yeah. Don't that was yet. just like disgusting to see that actually that are that you know that happened and then yeah. So would like to kind of see just some more history also leading up to this and I thought it did a good job of that. It was only an hour and forty minutes long. Honestly, could it yeah. have gone longer? Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give this an A minus. Definitely a sweet. I thought it was done really well, and it's it's an important watch. It's also a tough watch. It's one of those. It's after watching, you just gotta sit back and be like, "Whoa!" You've got to take the information that you're hearing, seeing in the movie, and realize there is something wrong. Yeah, there is there is some sort of systematic racism happening in these in these in these systems. That sounds redundant, but that's a, that. That's what it is. Um, yeah, but I, 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 I thought it was I watched a- the movie last Sunday with Becky. Um, after just talking with some friends, them recommending it, uh, I bawled in like the last ten minutes. Ugh. So hard to watch. I just just because it had already been an overwhelming, overwhelming week of realizing like I haven't done enough. Sure. I have not in my life. I've been pretty silent. I haven't done enough to be able to actually speak up and defend the rights of black people. And it was just really hard. To see, um, and I think that last emotional gut punch was really great. I give it an A plus. Honestly, I, I think it's the most. I think it's one of the most important things you can watch right now. I think it's one of the most important documentaries you can watch to educate yourself about injustice. Really educate yourself about what is going on wrong, wrong in this country and how we can fix it. I thought it was. It was just crazy. Like, first off, as a side note, I loved the blocking and the framing of all the interviews. I thought it was really cool and like the warehouse vibe with like yeah, yeah. not everyone was center frame, you know, you're off center to the, left, little, to the little, right. A little bit to the side. A little bit of white space. Love that. I love a little bit of white space. But um, I, I also found it was really interesting the disgusting parallels between, you know, the civil rights era where uh, these black people are being pushed around by white people and then fast forward to present day, it's still happening. You know, we, yeah. we, we realize that there has been a lot of change, but there needs to be so much more change. And 13th, great watch. Yeah, sweet, super sweet on Netflix. Um, Everyone needs to give it a watch. If you're listening to this and you have not seen it, you need to watch it. Definitely watch it. It's an hour and 40 minutes. Definitely worth your time. And it's just crazy to see how a lot of these historical acts and these bills that were passed have made an impact. And a lot of these, you know, a lot of lives, a lot of innocent black lives. Yeah. Yeah. A real quick stat that I found from uh, an article by Western and Pettit. 
was um, today black men under 35 who have dropped out of high school are more likely to be incarcerated, 37%, than to hold a job at 26%. Yeesh. There needs to be reform. Something needs to happen so that instead of feeling like prison is a punishment, which in a way it is, it also needs to be a place of rehabilitation so that when black people get out of prison, they can go out and make a name for themselves in society and continue to work. Continue to work. They've already done their time. It's time to move forward and get them back into the communities, back helping others. And 13th, great movie, great yeah. watch. On Netflix, streaming now. Go yes. check it out. Go check it out. Oh, oh, if Beale Street Can Talk is streaming on Hulu. Hulu. I don't think we yeah. mentioned that, but it's yeah. on Hulu. Yeah. Okay, well, very Let's tough watch, important watch. On to my personal favorite. Yes. This is, Keeks, I'm just going to say it right now. This is an A+. Plus. Yeah. This one is... You got it, Keeks, because I just did the last one. I uh, uh, do the right thing. Yeah, it is Spike Lee's second feature film, who which he wrote, produced, and directed. It is starring, you know, obviously it's starring Spike Lee, uh, Danny Monkey. Aiello, and Gus Fring, John Carlo Esposito. I did not Bugging recognize out. him. I didn't as either. Bugging out. I did not either. No, I seriously because like I saw that he was in it, and then later on on IMDb, it was like, John, who was he? And so I was bugging out. I didn't recognize him because he has hair in this one. So. He has hair. <laughs> he's got those nice glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it is the, the movie also received two Oscar nominations for Best Original Screenplay and Best Supporting Actor that um, Danny Aiello was nominated. And the, the summary of the movie is, on the hottest day of the year in the Bed-Stuy neighborhood in Brooklyn, Mookie and his friends have 24 hours to show if they can really stand the heat. That's double entendre, but I don't know. Well, I, can I can I try dual in? meanings? I have been. Um, I lived in Brooklyn for two years, served an LDS mission. Yeah, and Brooklyn Queens, dude. In Brooklyn, when it gets July, June, because I was in Coney Island during these times. Yeah, it is irritable hot. Oh, it is just hot. So being able to see just everybody get irritable. And just yeah. see just like that, that sweat around their necks, on their foreheads. Always. It was just, it, it just brought me back to the times being in New York, walking and just walking excruciating. I remember being in Brooklyn, East New York. It was early June and not as hot as Ju- July and August. However, <laughs> still really hot. We went into a pizza parlor. We just wanted some pizza and... So I could, I, I could. It might have been Sal's. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe called Sal's. Maybe not. Maybe it's maybe it's a rebuilt Sal's. Yeah, yeah, um, a remodeled. Yeah. So it was new yeah, ownership. So being able to see that and kind of relate to that was just like, yeah, I have been there. I have done that. And I love, 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 love the fire hydrants and the wa- and the water. Dude, I was just gonna ask streets. you that. That happens. Yeah. Yep. That they do that in New York. That is something that happens. It is just so fun to be walking around the neighborhoods and seeing everybody play. Uh, in the water like this this movie is fantastic is well done and it really hits home on a lot of important issues and this was this was this was filmed in 1989 yes and this is still occurring and it's 2020 <laughs> that's that's it. like seriously as you're watching the movie as seeing like all of these events progress and what i love is how like how how dynamic the movie is is in every frame you've got extras in the background walking around or you've got all these same characters doing stuff. Samuel L. Jackson is like the DJ. Love you know, uh, Mookie's Perf- going to deliver him <laughs> his, his pizza, role. and he's in the background just like pantomiming, asking for his food while Mookie's talking with um the man selling the pictures. Yeah, right. Is that that's who he's talking with? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Smiley. Yes. Yeah, Smiley, that's yeah, right. Yeah. I was trying to think of Malcolm what his name X. was. He's selling pictures of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah, Samuel L. Jackson was like perfect for this role. So, oh, so great. I want to yeah. ask you, Keeks, what made you um, recommend this movie that we watch this movie and talk about it? Because I had never seen this movie. I have never heard about this. And I'm really glad that I took the time to watch this because it was it was pretty funny at times. The uh-huh. acting was really well done, and not only that, it addresses important issues that are occurring now. Like I yes. thought, this was this. I think this is just a movie that anybody can watch. Absolutely, oh, do, I, I'm not so even what, gonna lie. What, I don't know what made you recommend I, it. I, I have no it. idea. I, I, I seriously You're like. Tuned. I, I think I had heard something. I had heard the name of it, but it wasn't even like it was before all of the protests 
started happening. So I, I just thought, you know, there are hundreds of movies that we could have that we could have watched. Yeah, we could oh, have watched, absolutely. you know, Malcolm X. We could have watched Selma. We originally had Selma on the slate, um, but then we thought, I think we ended up replacing If Beale Street Could Talk with Selma. But anyways, yeah, I, think I don't know. Uh, uh, Spike Lee has just been such a a figure in filmmaking, especially oh, for black people. And let me chime this in. Black Klansman, if you have not seen that film, give that yes. a watch. Give that a watch. That was one of my favorites from 2018. Yeah, yes, yes, 2018. Driver, yeah, I think that was, like, that was easily my top five. Yeah, fantastic. And he has a new movie coming out next week called The Five Bloods, mm. I believe. I think that's the title of the name. But anyways. John, um, John, John David Washington. Not, yeah, John David Washington. Yeah, that's right. Um, I don't know what had us. I, I, it just came to my mind, honestly. And I think it was inspiration because this movie, um, another thing, you know, how I talk about the, the, the scenes being really dynamic is all the characters are very dynamic as well. Except for Becky had this really interesting, um, my wife, Becky, my wife, Becky, she, we, when we watched it afterwards, she was like, all of the characters kind of took a side throughout the whole movie. You know, they've all got their own side. But Mookie is the only one who interacts with both sides. Yeah. yeah. And he consistently, like you said, there's a character called Demare. And he mentions in the very beginning of the movie of Mookie, always do the right thing. And I feel like throughout the movie, Mookie is doing the, what he always believes as to being the right, doing the right thing. Yeah. And that even shows and goes down to the fact of the very end of the movie, which, like, I don't know if I want to s- to spoil the specific part. Maybe we'll just be vague. And what do you think? Do we, do we want to give the end or do we want to just ask the question straight out? Um, you know, let's ask the question. Let's ask the question. Yeah, because um, we, we we paid to watch it, but, I mean, worth a watch. Oh, it's like $3.99 to rent. Yeah, two ninety nine, three ninety nine to rent. Yeah, pennies. Pennies. <laughs> please. Um, please did give Mookie do the right thing? What do you think? Yes. I feel like he did. I feel like Mookie yeah. was following his intuition, was following that advice from the mayor. And yeah, that third act is wild. It's yes. Wild. And it really, you, you just don't know where this movie's going to go. Like it, it has just some humor trickled in. It also has a lot of character development. And then when that point occurs with Mookie at the end, you know, I think he did do the right thing because that showed like, hey, come on, Sal. You know? Yeah. Well, when you, you see it through Sal's characterization is it's like, He's sympathetic towards some of the black characters, but not towards others. And then the wall in his restaurant. Um, And it all escalates over a fairly simple request is, hey, just put some black people on the wall. You know, what Buggin' Out suggests to do. And with everything going on with Radio Rahim, um, it's such an easy thing that Sal could have done. But even due to those little implicit biases that he had that he wasn't willing to admit, everything got out of hand. Um, yeah, my answer to the question is it kind of has two parts. Okay. Um, I'm, with, I'm with you. I actually think that he did do the right thing. I think he did. I think it was boiling up. And yeah, maybe Sal did a lot of good things for the neighborhood. But he was also – he also was – he was racist. He was doing all sorts of horrible things. But this, this comes to my second point is I don't think it's up to us to decide – uh, especially not having grown up in an area like that. I don't know. I don't know what it would be like. Personally, yes, I do think that he did the right thing. Spike Lee has been asked the question by many people, and he's been noted as saying, not a single person of color has asked me if Mookie did the right thing. And I think that's very telling. Yeah. Very telling. Yeah. You know, you've got, and from both of us, we do think he did the right thing. And the movie ends with two quotes. For Martin Luther King and for Malcolm X, kind of a yin and yang dynamic between the two. Yeah, yeah. Do you have those quotes by chance on hand? No, I can pull them up though. Yeah. No, I I highly while while Kamiko's looking this up, I highly recommend do the right thing. Character development is great. Seeing just some important dialogue happening. There's a lot of comments, a lot of insults that are passed around, and um, it's interesting because Sal, when he was talking with his son. 
Sal was just a very interesting character because he was racist, but he was also loving at the same time, like helping the, the mayor out and like giving mm-hmm. him love and at the beginning, being like, hey, here's a dollar, go ahead and sweep. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't know, it was just really interesting to see Sal's character just being like, yeah, he was an Italian American and he knew, like, he loved those people. He's like, it was amazing. Like, I love that line. They said, people grew up on my pizza. He's like, that means yeah, a that lot to me. Yeah, that scene is really great. It's an important scene. And then. It's just like, man, just throw up, you know, some black people on that wall instead of just all Italian Americans. Yeah, just you're in their neighborhood. You're in They're their feeding neighborhood. your family. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, it was just. I want to dive into that because I think it goes to show is, you know, he was so obsessed with this family that he had and his heritage that it's ingrained into our system as well. We're so obsessed with like the past of the United States and we're so obsessed with like not, you know, carrying on those traditions, but those, a lot of those traditions need to end. Mm -hmm. We need change. We need something to do. Yeah. Maybe Sal wasn't racist. Maybe like a lot of people in the United States aren't quote unquote racist, but we have implicit biases, which lead to racism that we need to analyze and look inside of ourselves, which Sal does near the end. And I feel like that very last scene, he realizes, oh, I get it. And I feel like that has some symbolism with Sal. His Sal's pizza place is him Mm -hmm. as a person, his heart. And, you know. Oh, oh, TC. Okay. You like that? see you. Like, that's his character. Do you know what I mean? Like, he even says, like, I built this with my own hands. I built this place. And then uh, just kind of bringing those walls down because – Obviously, he was in a black neighborhood. That's where he was selling his pizza. However, he could have been more inclusive with you know pictures on the wall and things exactly. like that. Really so. easy things to do, but because of just being stubborn, really, really prideful. Mm, prideful. That's it. That's the word. Yeah. Word of the day. Um, here are the quotes that ap- appear at the end of "Do the Right Thing." Um, the first is by Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Violence is a way of achieving racial justice and both impractical is both impractical and immoral. It is impractical because it is a descending spiral ending in destruction for all. The old law of an eye for an eye leaves everybody blind. It is immoral because it seeks to humiliate the opponent rather than win his understanding. It seeks to annihilate rather than to convert. Violence is immoral because it thrives on hatred rather than love. It destroys communities and makes brotherhood impossible. It leaves society in monologue rather than dialogue. Violence ends by destroying itself. It creates bitterness in the survivors and brutality in the destroyers. Um, Then this next quote is by Malcolm X. I think there are plenty of good people in America, but there are also plenty of bad people in America. And the bad ones are the ones who seem to have all the power and be in these positions to block things that you and I need. Because this is the situation. You and I have to preserve the right to do what is necessary to bring an end to that situation. And it doesn't mean that I advocate violence, but at the same time, I'm not against using violence in self-defense. I don't even call it violence when it's self-defense. I call it intelligence. Mm, I like that. I call it intelligence. Yep. Yeah. Really good watch. A do plus the, from both of us. Do the right thing. A plus. Very, very sweet. Take the time to watch this film. 1989 has just a lot of great character development, great style, great... Uh, messages yes. conveyed throughout. Um, I love when he's like, he scratched up my sneakers. I know. Zoom in on the white cement fours. I yeah. was like, yeah. I was bummed for him too. I was oh, ready yeah. to jump through that screen. Yeah, seriously. So oh, my favorite shoes. Really some good movies, some good watches to watch. These three movies we highly recommend from Kamiko and I. And we give our grading of sweet. All three are very sweet. We highly recommend watching all three. Yes. So oh, definitely. And since, you know, since everything that we're donating this week is going to the Black TV and Film Collective, uh, we thought it would be really important to give you guys a rundown of the statistics of black people in film. Every year, the UCLA School of Social Sciences does their year in review for minority filmmakers. Uh, This most recent data was from 2018 to 2019. We will include a link to it in the description so you guys can go read the 75-page journal write-up as well. Um, To start out, studio heads are 91% white. And 82% male. Like, that all, and I think that shows the representation filtering down through the rest of these stats that we're going to show. Greg Gerwig still robbed. Oh, that's, well, not even, (laughs) yeah. Also, I would say If Beale Street Could Talk definitely should have been nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely, definitely. Um, three out of ten leads are people of color. So uh, some notable ones that I put are um, Lupita Nyong'o, really great. Daniel Kaluuya, uh, me and my wife watched Get Out last night, which was freaking... I've seen the movie so many times, and I still get tense. Yeah. It's amazing. It's a perfect movie for me. Um, Regina Davis is another one. Chadwick Boseman. There are plenty of others that we watch and that we support. Yeah. Um, and then it's interesting that one and a half out of ten characters, are, ten directors, excuse me, are of color. One and a mm-hmm. half out of ten. You got Barry Jenkins, Rick Famuyiwa, Spike Lee, and Ryan Coogler. Just to name a few. Yeah. Yeah. Name very few. What I also think is like really, really sad is, um, oh gosh, and this is really sad, but um, as it even said, you know, it goes on to say that one and a half out of every 10 directors are female. But in addition, in the year 2018, only one out of 140 directors is a black woman of color. And that's Ava DuVernay. That is so small. So, so small. And even to show, like, it got a little bit better in 2019 because two out of 146 directors were women of color. It's just too few. There are so many stories that are waiting to be tell, told by these, by these creators, and they need to yeah. be told. Yeah, and we hope that, you know, with the movement uh, that Black Lives Matter is having and obviously this donation of our revenue is going to the Black Film, TV, and Collective that this can continue to keep the ball rolling. Really yeah. check out what they have. Yes. So, um, and then share of all films by director, 85% white, 5.5% black, and two out of 146 women of color in 2019. Yeah. And yeah. writers. The writers yeah. of color. 1.4 out of 10 writers are people of color. Um, to name a few, Casey Lemons, she wrote Harriet last year. She's also directed some short films. Um, Lena Waithe, really funny. She got her start on Bones, then wrote some episodes of Master of None, which is Aziz Ansari's uh, series on Netflix. And then she wrote Queen and Slim that came out last year with Daniel Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. Also, in addition, we have Chio Hadari Coker, who wrote Notorious and Creed II. Um, <laughs> this two out of 135 Writers are women of color in 2018. And then the number did double, but it's four out of 144 women of color had major film releases in 2019. That's too little. That's, yeah. Hopefully, it, hopefully things you know, continue to change and there's just more voices heard and more voices yeah. through movies and screenplays of, of color are heard. I definitely agree. And there's so many more statistics that we could have put down that uh, we invite all of you guys to go check out because we, we really want to end, we want you guys to understand this, you know, and this is something that we're trying to learn too is people seem to be so upset over the syntax of Black Lives Matter, you know, like the spelling and like what the words together mean, but they're not listening to the broad message because the purpose of Black Lives Matter is like we've said, is to work, is we work vigorously for freedom and justice for black people and by extension, all people. We are unapologetically black in our positioning and affirming that black lives matter. We need not qualify our position. To love and desire freedom and justice for ourselves is a prerequisite for wanting the same for others. And I think that's perfect. You know, what do you lose if you go and you learn more about the movement? What do you do if you learn more about mass incarceration, about black, you know, about civil rights, about uh, police reform? about police brutality. If you educate yourselves, are you afraid that you might find that you're part of the problem? And if so, it is time to change. It is time to be a part of the involvement, a part of, you know, really, I remember um, just the other day, I approached my mom, I was like, mom, thank you for just teaching me um, to love people for who they are, and I can always do better as well. I'm not Mm -hmm. perfect, of course. And I liked what my mom said. She's like, it's not the color of skin that makes a person. It's their characteristics. It's who they are on the inside. And I think that really does speak volume um, to who we are as people. And we hope that people of color will be included more so throughout the world, that there will be less racial injustice and that things will continue to change and continue to change for the better. 
Yes. And we hope that our little drop in the bucket ends up being more than just a drop with your guys' help. We really want you guys to just stream all of our content this week, even if you never listen to us again. Just this week, stream every take that you possibly can. Like, we're going to repeat it. Stream, stream, stream. Get the ad revenue up so that we can donate the most that we possibly can to the Black TV and Film Collective. At the end of the day, if you want to do even more, we will put a donation sign. We will put a link to the donation uh, part of Black TV and Film Collective's website so you can go donate. We've said this. We will match the highest donation that you guys give. Um, if, if you give like $3,000, then we will plan accordingly, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, we, I, I, I think that's everything for my end. Three great movies. I loved everything that we watched this week, and I love the conversation we had. Yeah, yeah. No Keeks, I appreciate you. Appreciate your example. Um obviously what you and you and Becky are doing and um yeah, it's just it's time to really reflect and it's time to really change and continue to move forward as a nation and also as a nation but also as a world and really just give love to everyone that needs it. Sign petitions. To, yeah. Um I think the description of this podcast will just be a link to uh the Black TV Film Collective signing petitions and to the video that we talked about earlier from Cheska Lee so that you guys can have a lot more resources to use. Yeah. Um, next week, as we've talked about for Take 88, TC is going to tell his proposal story, which will be sweet, and we're going to talk rom-coms, romantic comedies. We yeah. cannot wait. T- take 88. And uh, Lastly, we want everybody to please be safe. Please continue to educate yourselves. Um, you Protest. Know, do, power to the people. Go yeah, out. Yeah, do your part and do what you need to do. And we just love all your sweets. We love all the support. And we are very grateful for you. Yes, I definitely agree. Everyone, that's Take 87. It's your boy, Sweet Keeks. Stay sweet. Sweet. Sweet.